Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing in the room? Everybody good? So good to see you guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all of our family who's watching online as well. We're so glad you're here. Hey, would you guys help me welcome them as well? Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint Church, and we're so glad you're here with us. If you're a guest, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Um, I understand that today is Pastors Appreciation Day, and we have several pastors that are in the room. Some of them are serving all around the room, the building today, but I want to just say a big thank you to Pastor Andy, who's back there somewhere, who was just up here. Can we give it up for all of those guys? They're amazing. So grateful for them. Thank you. One, one quick thing, I'm going to jump into the message today. Um, tomorrow morning early, I am getting on a plane and going to the Philippines to visit our orphanage. Uh, I'm his home in, in the Philippines, outside of Manila. Uh, two things, I'd covet your prayers uh, for just the travel. It's a 24-hour flight situation, so not built for that. Come on, can I get an amen on that, somebody? ADD is really strong in me. The force is strong, and so uh, the idea is like I'm getting jittery thinking about the whole deal. But really what I want to tell you is that you'll be praying for Imus Home. There's 119 children. Um, that are in Imus Home right now. We are expanding that building. There's a new building going up right now that, we're, that you guys are a part of, that you're helping build. And we're going to have 400 kids in there before very, very much longer. And I just want to say, uh, along with what Pastor Annie just said a minute ago, a big, big thank you. I promise you there are children in Manila who are getting cared for, loved on, taught about Jesus, getting education, food, clothes, the whole bit. A lot of them are growing up now and going into college um, and they're going to do amazing things because of you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Be praying for us as we uh, travel. Uh, today we're going to do a standalone message starting a brand new series next week called What Keeps You Up at Night. But tonight, I just, uh, today rather, I just felt like it was time for me to talk about what I'm going to talk about. I want to paint a picture for you. Bear with me. Uh, we'll get to the, verse, the scriptures in just a minute. But just let me paint this picture for you. The night is young and filled with expectation. High society has gathered in their finest to celebrate the, the talents of this famed Italian tenor. You, you can hear the hushed tones of the city's finest carrying on in muted conversations, echoing around the majestic hall. Suddenly, the lights lower, the chatter tapers off, and all eyes and all ears hone in on the stage. You could hear a pin drop. The curtains roll back. The lights of the stage come alive slowly. The tenor steps into his place. He starts out low and melodious. The orchestra providing the perfect underscore. Each new stanza he builds with energy and gusto. Like a master builder, he arranges the notes with precision and in skill. An amazing display of both power and technique. Each note taking the emotions of his audience higher and higher. And at the finale, he belts out notes that are incredible and breathtaking. Men hold their breaths. Women are moved to tears. And then it's over. Two seconds pass as his final notes reverberate around the ornate room. And then applause, wild applause, shouts, whistles, and a resounding, bravo, bravo. Now, amazing is that these people who are there, most often reserved, quiet, uh, uh, cerebral, now standing, clapping, cheering, bravo, or most excellent, or most masterful. The applause continues until he comes back to the stage for an encore. The people want more, and he's going to give it to them. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I don't get it. Opera, that is. Come on, somebody. Like, I don't get it. Um, Rachel took me several years ago on a surprise for my birthday to the symphony downtown. And, and I didn't know when to clap because, like, they would sing, and I'd be like, yeah, and nobody would clap. Like, everybody knew. They would start to clap, and I didn't know it was time to clap. Come on, like, I was like, what's going on here? People in the, in the front were sipping on wine and hors d'oeuvres, and I was just coming in, rolling up for some big red and got any salad, but they didn't have any. Come on, somebody, they didn't have any. What kind of place doesn't have big red? Come on, San Antonio, right? And, and, and at the end, I see people cheering and, and crying and shouting and bravo, and I'm clapping because it's over. Come on, everybody. <laughs> I'm crying because the suffering has ceased, everybody. No more pain and sorrow. Does anybody feel me on this, right? Now, you take me to a Cowboys game, right? And now, now I'm screaming bravo and shout. You take me to a tightly contested Spurs game, and I'll shout and yell with the best of them. I dig that because I can get kind behind that kind of action. But then the opera people... They don't feel my joy at the Cowboys scoring at all, right? To them, I'm like a Neanderthal with no class and no cultural appreciation. It's like the idea of making a fool of oneself over sport. Bah. I, I don't think they probably talk like that, but I'm just saying, just saying. See, it all really boils down to the, eyes of the, the eye of the beholder, doesn't it? Somebody told me earlier that it really is about the eyes of the beer holder. Come on, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's true or not because I... Don't partake, but anyways. It's funny, though. Funny. I'm going to say it again, probably. Eyes of the beholder. I see a large Italian guy who sings obnoxiously loud in a language I don't understand. They see a cultural icon with talent on loan from God, right? I see perfectly coordinated athletes performing feats of athleticism at the highest possible levels. They see overgrown boys playing a silly game by rules they don't understand. They've immersed themselves in classical culture for years. My dad was like this. My dad forced me to listen to operas and symphonies in the house when I was young. But in my mind, I was dreaming they were just jamming to Foreigner or Journey. Come on, somebody. That's like, if this was just a Journey tune, it would be pretty raucous, you know. They, they, they get every nuance. They understand the story even when they don't understand the language. It moves them in ways I'll never, never understand because I'm not cool enough, apparently. They get it because they know the composer. They get it because they understand the piece. They know about the man singing the songs. And the culmination of all of it is bravo, bravo, bravo. I, I want to talk about that today, about worship. For, for, for us here at LifePoint, there are two things that we value above all other things. God's word and God's presence. Take away everything else. Take away all of it, but leave us with God's word and God's presence, and that will be enough. That will be enough. Um, we're a nation of worshipers, I think. We, we love to clap and celebrate the things we are passionate about. We love The Voice. Anybody love The Voice? That show, The Voice, I think it's cool. America's Got Talent. Uh, there's another one, uh, Idol, American Idol. We love our celebrities. We love our athletes. We love our politicians. We love our, our, our pop stars. And, and, and whether it's a pop star, a movie star, a, a famous talk show host, we applaud the attributes of others. Worship is just in us. It's just who we are. Now, you would say, I don't know. I will tell you, it's just who we are. In fact, 
In fact, if you go look at any museum that deals with antiquities, the, the peoples of ancient times, you will always find in those museums objects of worship. Didn't, they didn't need a Bible. They didn't have to have somebody tell them. You can go into the deepest recesses of the Amazon jungle and find people groups that no one even knows exist, and they worship something. Worship is wired into us. It's who we are. Now, of course, some people don't get it, right? Uh, it makes no sense to them. But remember, however, that beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. I almost said beer holder, but I don't want to say that again, right? <laughs> you applaud, I applaud what excites me, right? What you understand. And so many people don't get the idea of worship in, in a place like this because they've never gotten the greatness of God in view. We've, we, we don't understand how great God is. Now, remember with me that people in operas and in symphonies are often cultured and cerebral people, many of whom are generally very reserved with, with appropriate levels of de decorum fitting their stations in life. And yet, they understand that at the culmination of the performance, their praise of this performance is not a cerebral one. They're not thinking in their mind, bravo, bravo. They say it out loud. It's not internal or the per performer doesn't benefit from it. Their praise is external. That's why we celebrate the achievements uh, of, uh, in, in external ways, like clapping, like shouting, or, 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 or applauding, whatever we do. We see this, in fact, all the way back into the Psalms. The psalmist David brings this kind of external worship into bear into the nation of Israel. It's in our Bibles. And, and this is from the message, and I love this. It's called, he says, bravo, God. Bravo, by the way, that's the title of the message today. Bravo, God. Bravo, gods and all angels shout encore in all before the glory, in all before God's visible power. Stand at attention. Dress your best to honor him. God thunders across the waters. Brilliant. His voice and his face streaming brightness. God across the floodwaters. There's just something about when we get the greatness of God in view that causes us to say yes to that. Bravo, God, bravo. All throughout your Bibles, if you read it from the beginning to the end, you see people, when they, when they start to see God in the way that he is, like what we've re read here, when they get God in view, it'll, it'll either leave them speechless or with nothing else to say, but right on to that. Bravo, God. When people get it, God Responds when when people when so let me say it this way when when God reveals Himself to people their only inclination at that point is to respond God reveals we respond are you with me so far God reveals we respond but when people don't get it when they don't see the greatness of God when they don't know what God's done for them they miss the point they miss the reason. Um, for the applause. They miss the power behind the performance. They miss the artistry of the artist. They miss out on the skills of the athlete. Others see it and respond with bravos while they shake their heads and say, like I did at the opera, I don't get it, right? The, the same is true of worship. If we don't see who God is and we, we don't realize what God's done for us, then we totally miss the point of worship. We never understand why people sing with passion, why they clap, you know, with gusto at a song, why they raise their hands in complete surrender or any other form of worship. It just doesn't make sense unless you've gotten God in view. But when 
you and I begin to see who God is, when we begin to realize what God's done for us. Um, Romans 12, our only reasonable response, verse one, is, is worship. In view of the mercies of God, our only reasonable response is, is worship. And then when we get it, then worship becomes a, a pathway, a pathway to experience the greatness of God. Before, I, before worship, I didn't know how to get to the presence of God. But because of worship, it's a pathway that allows me access to, to the greatness of God. There's something about opening our hearts and our minds to God in worship. Something, listen to me now, something supernatural takes place wherever people begin to lift themselves up in praise to God. God shows up. Worship is, here's a definition, worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who he is and for what he's done. Worship is our response to God, both personally and corporately, for who he is and for what he's done. And when we do this, when we do this, the presence and the power of God comes down. Worship is an opportunity for men and women to invite God's presence and God's power to move amongst us. And as we worship him, whether it's by singing songs or prayers or praying or, or, or clapping, when, when it becomes a, a more than just a song, but it becomes a personal quest for God, for more of God, he responds. When he reveals himself to me and I respond, something amazing happens. God, the God who formed the earth, who, who created the worlds at, by, by the breath of his command. You understand that, right? That the worlds, the universe that exists are existing because of the breath of God. He, he spoke it and, and it became. That's the power of God. That God responds to your worship and mine. That God responds to us. He shows up wherever sincere worship is happening. Worship creates a dwelling place, right? It recreates a habitation. The Bible says in, in, that in the Old Testament that he inhabits, God inhabits the praises of his people. That's mind-blowing. That when we sing, that when we lift our hands, that when we clap our hands to God, he shows up. It becomes a dwelling place. And the reward of our worship to God is his presence. Listen to me. That's the reward. Why would I do that, Danny? Why would I sing? Why would I clap? Why would I lift my hands? The reward of all of that is God's presence. We know from the Bible that worship is one of the most important reasons that we were created. We exist. We were created by God. We were created for God to glorify God. It's a big deal. And so that's why I'm pausing right here in the middle of our, all of our series to just bring this back to bear. I, I want to ask, and then I want to answer, hopefully, God willing, three questions that we all may have um, as we go through this. There may be some questions you go, I don't understand why they do this or why that happens or why this looks like this, but let's go. Let's start with question number one. Why do we come, right? Those of you who are in this room, those of you sitting out in the lobby today, I'm sorry. We're going to try to get a bigger space for you someday, right? Why do we come? Why do we come to this room? Is it because I have nothing else to do? Come on. Some of you go, yeah, that's probably, that's actually it. It wasn't time for lunch yet. I already had breakfast. I needed something to fill. Cowboys haven't started yet. Come on, they're not till three. Last week, they started at 12. Our 12 o'clock service got hammered by the Cowboys. God still blessed us and we won. Come on, anyways, anyways. In spite of the fact that people skipped. Come on, somebody, right? 
Why do I come in the first place? Is it because I have nothing else? It's because there's nothing fun here to do in San Antonio? Come on, that's not it, right? Like, because your schedule just needed one more thing jammed into it, right? Now, now, here's the truth. There may be a discrepancy between why we should come and why we do come, right? Because some of us are honest. We go, I'm here because my mom makes me, right? Right? Come on, don't raise your hand. It'll hurt my feelings. Come on. Right? Right. My wife told me that if, she would, if I would come, I could watch the game by myself with nobody to bother me. So that's why I'm here. Okay, so I, I feel you. Come on, I feel you on that. Right? My mom made me go too back when I was a kid. And I wanted to play basketball. I played basketball a lot. I, played, I grew up here in San Antonio. We used to go out to the Warhawk on Lackland. Those of you from the, the, the Air Force, you know Lackland and Chaparral. Uh, I said El Chaparral in the last gathering. That's a good Mexican restaurant up in Holotus. Praise God for that. Come on, everybody. They have Big Red. No, they don't have Big Red. They say they have Big Red and then bring you Red Flash. Come on, y'all know. Red Flash ain't Big Red. You tell me Red Flash is Big Red, I'm going to cut somebody. I'm, a, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you're a guest with us, I'm sorry. I, I like knives. I have a lot of knives, man. Anyways, people give me. Somebody, a brother brought me one last week at church. I was like, yes, I got more knives now. Multiple. You cut people for Jesus, everybody. It's for Jesus. For the glory. It's, it's a part of worship, everybody. Not, people are like, brother's a pastor? Yeah, uh, yeah. Trying. I'm trying, all right? What was I even talking about? I don't even remember. Oh, my mom made me come, right? But listen to me. I'm so, so glad she did now, everybody. I'm so glad she made me. And, and, and moms, I would just say this to you. Keep making them come, right? Someday, dads, keep making them come. Someday, by God's grace, they'll actually want to. For now, you keep bringing them, and we'll give them snacks and whatnot, right? Come on. <laughs> healthy, healthy. I saw all the kids having suckers. Those are healthy, right? Healthy. Some of you, maybe you come because you're hoping to meet your future husband or wife, right? You're like, church is the best place to pick up chicks. I think so. I think that, that's where I met my wife. Church, everybody, right? Church. Some show up out of guilt, right? Been a sinner all week. Come on Sundays to make it right. Like, I, I love that rationale. I've used it in the past. But, but it's like eating four packs of Reese's Cups and then washing it down with a Diet Coke and calling it hashtag even. It's even. <laughs> Cancel culture. Like it canceled the cu cups. Anybody done this? Come on, it's not just me. I, I drank water. Six water burgers, but I drank water. It's fine. C coming out of guilt, though, doesn't help that much, everybody. You, you can't repay God for the debt that you've accumulated, that I've accumulated. I, I can't by, just by coming to church. The truth is we owe God a debt we could never repay, no matter how many times we come to church. A, a lot of people come out of guilt or obligation. Wife makes me come. I get all that. It's not the best reason, but I understand. That there are others who come because they, they, of what they get out of coming to church. Come to gain, come to learn. But, but, but we live in an age right now where the best preachers in the world are online every week, all through the week. You could listen. If you want to learn, get information, you can literally go to university-level uh, seminaries right now uh, online. A lot of it's free. You can go on YouTube. There's great books out there. You can Google anything. We live stream for those of you who are at home, right, if that's your presence. But, but if it's not about guilt, if it's not about obligation, or if it's not a, just about information, then what's it about? Why do we come? It's about impartation, not just information. Let me explain that. It's about receiving something from the Lord so that when God's word goes out, when, when the praises of God's people go up and the presence of God comes down, something 
catches in fire, uh, on fire inside of us. Something stirs up inside of us to seek God more, to please God more, to want more of God. And as he reveals, we respond. And what happens when we meet with him corporately, seeking to connect to each other, to the presence of God, something amazing happens. I believe, this is my, my sincere belief because I've seen it borne out throughout my lifetime, that when we come together under the banner of Jesus Christ for the purpose of saying, God, you are amazing, God, you are worthy, God, you are awesome. Anything can happen. This is why on our wall out there, you hear us talking about at LifePoint, everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect, but with Jesus, anything is possible. That's true because we've come together to say, Jesus, we praise you, we lift you up. You are Lord, you are master. And, and great things happen when people begin to worship him corporately. He shows up, Second Chronicles says, on the behalf of people whose hearts are fully engaged towards him. He says he shows himself strong on their behalf. This is why the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, let us not Give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, right? But let us encourage one another. What does the word encourage mean? It means to give courage, right? Let us give courage to one another. And all the more as you see what? The day, the day of the coming of the Lord. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Jesus is coming soon. He's coming back for a people that have made themselves ready. That's what the Bible says. And he says, and as, it, as you see that day approaching, meaning, meaning there were signs in the Bible that, that said when this stuff starts to happen, it says look up, look up, because your redemption draws nigh. And as the day comes, is approaching, all the more we should gather together, all the more. So I applaud you for being in God's house today. Those of you who couldn't be here but you're with us online, I applaud you. I don't even care why you came today. We'll work on the why later. I'm so glad you're here because when we're in God's house together worshiping him, anything can happen, anything can take place. But one thing I know is nothing will never take place. Like God is not capable of doing nothing, right? He will respond. He will show up. We gather for God's glory. We gather for God's, uh, for, for our benefit. We come maybe feeling heavy or burdened down or, or weighed down by life. And even though nothing changes out there, somehow the spirit gets lifted. Come on, have you experienced that in life where you come in and you're like, I don't even want to come. I was mad. I, I was mad when they said unto me, let us go to Life Point today. But when I left, I was glad that they said unto me, let us go to Life Point. Because something happened. God worked inside of me. This is why I love the church. David says in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Something powerful takes place in the house of the Lord. You go out on our wall on this side, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. We believe that every Monday when I come up here, I come up here by myself, there's something about the, the house of God that so moves me. Listen, I want to sweep the floors. I go sweep the floors. I'm not saying this for to say Pat Danny on the back. I'm saying this because I remind myself, better is one day in your house, Lord, than a thousand elsewhere. I was glad glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There's all of these verses about God's house, and I'm so, so grateful for the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord is what has made me the person that I am today. It's going to, moms and dads, it'll make your kids. God's house will make your kids, not because me or us, but because God's glory, God's presence. God can move out there. He does all the time, but this is the house of the Lord. It's one of them. He has a million of them, but this is the house of the 
Lord and great things happen in God's house. Amen, somebody? That's why we come. That's why we come. Second question is why do we sing, right? Let's just be honest. Not everybody can. Come on. Some people think they can, but they can't. Come on. Am I right? Yet we love to do it anyway. Some of you, you're humming around the house. Some of you, you're mowing the grass. You got your headphones on. You're jamming a journey. Come on. Foreigner. Come on. Boston, Chicago, all the city towns, right? Come on. Bands, right? Right? You, you got your earbuds on. You're singing. How many shower singers in the room? Any shower singers in the room? Car singers? Car singers? How many like, no matter what, I ain't raising my hand, bro. You ain't going to make me raise my hand. How many of you hate singing? Okay. I just wanted to say if they, that would get your hand up, right? Some of you are secretly dreaming about a time when you're going to audition for The Voice or, or America's Got Talent. Probably you shouldn't. Probably just say, hey, I'm, I'm kidding. Be encouraged, all right? Be encouraged. Go out in faith, right? Listen, there are over 80 places in the Bible that, that instruct us to sing. 80-something times. I think it's like 85 times. Something about singing does something for God and something for us. Music is an emotional pursuit, isn't it? How many of you have been down in the dumps, but some song comes on that you love that reminds you of something back in the day and it lifts the spirits? You could be having a, 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 an up day and you hear a song that moves your heart and you feel nostalgic and even sad for reasons unknown. Music is powerful. And if we, if we take the, mu- the emotion out of it when we sing our praises to God, it becomes boring, wearying, depressing. I know some of the old songs that I grew up with meant so much to the people of that era. Uh, and some of the great hymns are exactly that. They're great. But so many of the songs I grew up just made me go to sleep. Now, baby goes to sleep now, right, on, on the pew because we had pews in my day. We didn't have chairs. We had benches. Come on. They were not comfortable. Praise God. They creaked and moaned when you sat on them. But we kept them. Come on. We kept them. Now, there are so many great spirit-led songwriters in our era now, and, and I know there were in the times past as well. So many people are writing songs that just are vertical, meaning they're all about God. Some people write songs that are about people, and that's fine too, but there's something about the songs that are to God and for God that, that, that exalt God. There, there's something about singing everybody that it releases power, spiritual power. Like you're going, ah, I don't know about that, Danny. Well, go read Second Chronicles 20 where Jehoshaphat it leads an, an, an army of, of singers, a choir. The choir goes before the army. They go into battle. The singers step up and sing. The enemies run in terror and fight each other and kill each other off. Why? Singing has power. God's power shows up. Go look in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas in a Roman jail. Around midnight, it says they lifted their voices in song. The whole thing shook. They walked out of the prison. Come on, somebody. There's something about singing that is aimed at the heart of God that God shows up. And the thing about, our, about Life Point is our worship team is not here to perform for us. Thank God for them. Can we give it up for our worship team, everybody? But, but they're, not, they're not performing for us, for you and I, for those of you who are at home, right? They're singing to an audience of one. And the audience of one, and all of us are in the choir, everybody. We're all in the choir. We're singing together. Even if we can't sing very well, we sing quietly before the Lord. Come on, somebody, right? right? Worship isn't something you come and watch. 
Everybody, it's something you come and do, however you do it. We're all on the worship team. We're singing songs to the only wise God, full of majesty, dominion, and power. Something amazing happens when we sing together. And the amazing thing is that God hears us corporately, responds corporately, but he hears us individually. Whether you can sing well or not, to God, your singing, when it comes from your heart, is on perfect pitch. pitch. Now, listen, it, it, it's biblical to sing together. L- let me say this way. Worship is possible without song for sure. But I would argue that nothing contributes more to its beauty, to its majesty, to its dignity, to its nobility, or to its tenderness, or to its intimacy in our hearts than songs sung from the heart to God. I would say nothing is more powerful in worship than singing. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 34, 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name Come on, everybody, together, together, right? So to magnify means to enlarge. And it's like, well, how can I possibly enlarge the Lord, right? He's already so big. We can't. But, but when we sing our praises to him, when maybe we enlarge the way we see him, right? Like he becomes larger in our viewfinder. He becomes greater in our eyes. And here's what I've learned. There is an inverse connection to the, great, the, the, the bigness of my God, the way I see my God, and how it shrinks my problems. Like as the, the bigger that God gets in my view, the smaller my problems get in my view. That's just, there's an inverse correlation there between that. And worship reminds us how great God is and how not great we are. Here's what worship does. It restores spiritual equilibrium. It helps you regain your perspective by, by enlarging the God in our eyes and shrinking our issues. It enables you to find something right to praise God for, even when everything around you seems like it's going wrong. And can I tell you, from my own experience, even from this morning, when I lay aside, even momentarily, what people do, what people say, what people don't do, what people don't say, the pain, the confusion, the diagnoses, or, or the plain old frustrations that come my way. When I, for one hour, lay them aside and say, Lord, just to be in your presence is all that I long for right now. When, when, I, when that happens in my heart, the Spirit of the Lord comes alongside of me. And because of his nature, when you send praises up, he sends strength and goodness and joy and blessing down. Like, like the Isaiah said, that he gives us beauty for our ashes. He gives us joy for our mourning. For, for our, for, he gives us a, a a garment of praise in exchange for the spirit of heaviness. Uh, like I can walk in heavy, but when I say, God, I can't, I'm not going to focus on what's going on out there. I'm going to focus on what's happening in here. Something, a great exchange happens. Not that my problems go away on the other side, but at the baseline, God gives me strength to endure what waits for me on the other side. And I think that's what worship delivers at the bottom. That's why we sing. That's why we come, because God is worthy. Psalm 96, sing God a brand new song. Earth and everyone in it, sing. Sing to God. Worship God. This is why we sing, everybody. Last question. I'm done right here. Why do we raise our hands? Why do we clap? Right? Why do we make joyful expressions or joyful noises? Why do, sometimes you see people leaping. Sometimes people jump up and down. Why do we do all that? Because some of you are like, that's kind of crazy talk. I don't know why y'all do that. Like the church I go to, we just sat there quietly and, and, and we listened and we left. Right? Nothing wrong with listening and leaving, but, but, but it is biblical to do all the things that I just said. 
right? And it's not just about a denomination or how we were brought up. I, the church I grew up in, people ran around the building. Come on, somebody. We took laps. Every now and then I'll say somebody, ooh, that makes me want to take a lap. And they don't even know what I'm talking about. The church I grew up in, somebody might run around the building. Come on. That, like that church we grew up in, like the people outside were like, something crazy going on up in there, right? <laughs> don't take a lap in here. There's not enough room and the ushers will tackle you. Okay, anyways, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seriously, they'll tackle you. I mean, anyway. Uh, why do I lift my hand? Okay, Psalm 28.2, hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. As I, what? Lift up my hands towards your most holy place. Psalm 63, 4, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Psalm 119, 40, I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love and meditate on your decree. Psalm 134, 2, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Anybody want to guess where the sanctuary is here at LifePoint? You're standing in it right now. You're sitting here right now. So it, it says, lift up your hands. First Timothy 2, 8, because it's some New Testament too. I want men everywhere to lift up what? Holy hands in prayer without anger or without disputing. I, I can keep going, but I won't. I think you get the picture. It's not a denominational thing or a non-denominational thing. Listen, in Houston, I went to a church. It was a Catholic church, and it was a charismatic Catholic church. And in that church, the priests were like banging a tambourine, man. They were drumming. I was like, what kind of Catholic church is this? This is my kind of jam. I don't, I don't know, it just took over me right there. <laughs> Spirit of God, come on, somebody, right? Right, like this, listen, listen. I, 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 I can't, I, I don't, it's not a, a denominational thing or a non, it's a Bible thing, and we are the people of the book. It's an awesome way to let God know how you feel about him by clapping your hands to the Lord, somebody, right? And, and speaking of that, yeah, speaking of clap your hands, Psalm 47, clap your hands, all you nations shout to God with cries of joy. The old King James says with shouts of triumph. I love that so much. Of course, noise isn't the objective, right? Noisiness isn't a virtue, but I would argue total silence isn't either. Come on, right? Not in response to what God's done, not in response to who he is. That's why it's okay, even at a fancy opera, to stand up at the appropriate time and clap and scream and whistle and shout, bravo, bravo, or at a game to lose your mind when the Cowboys, come on, score a touchdown. You recognize the brilliance of what's going on, or in the Cowboys' case, the amazement that it actually happened. Come on, somebody. And you respond... To that, worship happens when I place my mind's attention and my heart's affection on God in response to who he is and to what he's done. Listen, when I place my mind's attention, distractions, because I'm ADD, distractions constantly, constantly, nope. God, you're holy. God, you're mighty. The worlds were framed by, at, at, at your spoken word. All that exists is formed by the spoken breath of God. That's who you are. You are loving. You are kind. You are merciful. You are gracious. You are long-suffering. You are slow to anger. Your mercies are new every morning. That's who you are. My mind's attention and my heart's affection, my response to that knowledge is, I don't deserve it, God. But if this blesses you, if my song pleases you, then I'll sing. 
I'll lift my hands in the sanctuary. I'll clap to you. If that's what you want from me, God, then I'll give my best to you. Augustine, the church father, said, Lord, you've made us for yourself, and our hearts find no rest until they find it in you. You made us. We are made by God. We were made for God. Listen. One day, I said this last week, one day we're going to leave this life and we're going to step into the next life. And if that step for you involves heaven, John, the beloved, John, the best friend of Jesus, he's, on, he's, he's, he's exiled to an island called Patmos. And on that isle of Patmos, the Bible says he gets taken up in the spirit and he sees what heaven looks like. He catches a glimpse of what's going on up there. And here's what he says he sees in Revelation 5. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. That's a lot. They encircle the throne and the living creatures and the elders, these other beings that are there. In a loud voice, they what? They sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing. Like this is the biggest choir that has ever had. This is bigger than Kanye or Beyonce or, or Coldplay. Hey, that all kind of rhymed. I didn't even mean to do that. Praise God for that. I'm going to have to try to remember how to do that, right? But this is the biggest group that's ever been gathered. And here's what they're singing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, that's Jesus, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever and ever. The bottom line is the reason I sing, the reason I lift my hands, the reason I worship is because he's worthy, everybody. He's worthy. He's worthy of praise and honor and glory and power and praise forever and ever. And here's what Psalm 33 says, and I'm done right here. Six, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. That's how great our God is is everybody and I give him my heart's my mind's attention and my heart's affection and he inhabits the praises come on listen there's something about our praise the band's going to sing us out here in just a moment there's something about our praise that God comes in and listen here's what I'm going to challenge you to do I'm going to challenge you as they sing this song you can stand there it's fine if that's your comfort zone but I'm going to challenge you to just picture the greatness of our God to get God in view and the beauty that you see the beauty that you see maybe it inspires you to give God your very best in worship. When we do this together, listen, it's like nothing else. Listen, it's not, it's, it's not about a sermon. It's not about a song. It's not about a program. It's about God's word and God's presence, everybody. So could we stand? The band's gonna lead us in this beautiful song. It's a new one for us. We sang it last week, but I want you to sing it as you learn it, and let's give God our best. Amen. Somebody one more time, clap your hands to the Lord. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.